Welcome to Intent, a series of conversations between a couple of friends where we share our experiences wrestling with real life. I'm Jim Sutton and I'm talking with Steve Rouse, who's a good friend. We're two of the pastors of Ballon Baptist Church and we have these weekly conversations in order to be intentional about relationship together. We don't plan what we talk about and we may well just go wandering here, there and everywhere. But our intent is to focus on the challenges and the reality of life and trying to work out what it might mean to follow Jesus in the midst of everything. This week we chat about pressure, preparation and anxieties, as well as wondering if there are ever times when we should just give up. things watching Roy Keane he's so hilarious he's so funny because those guys did you hear the the day before the two guys who are the two guys that um had to had to isolate or whatever they got in trouble for talking to the Scottish guy for too long in the tunnel for 20 minutes yeah and they were saying about how many people talk to each other for 20 minutes and Roy Keane said I don't talk to anybody for more than five minutes (laughs) (laughs) I'm done with it he's so He's so blunt and so funny. I don't know whether he means to be or whether that's genuinely how he is. He just makes me laugh so much. I would not have want well, you see, I remember watching some of the stuff. He was a he was quite a player, golly man. Yeah. Hard yeah. hard kind of player. But yeah, no, good that they're through, but it was a bit of a the second half, oh my word, it's just like watching paint dry, it's like just trying to manage the way through it. It's a bit dull. Yeah, yeah, it can be for sure. But I mean, I don't, I don't know how you prepare for like the, the like the next game or whatever. Like you know, um, I was saying to you, like, um, one of the things I'm involved in is um, a little little charity called City Kid Surfing, which is about getting um, kind of year five kids like that's nine and ten year olds kind of connected with the ocean for the first time who who mm. maybe live in urban settings and can't get there and uh i was saying that i've got uh, i'm going to a school we got a trip running soon and gonna 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 go meet some parents and the kids and staff and that kind of thing and just the nerves of of doing that you know like like sometimes mm. it's kind of like that's that raises so like just just the i mean even if you're well prepared and everything else and you know what you know to some extent what you're doing and everything that's going on and you enjoy what you're doing like still you mm. can be nervous still you can kind of be like oh i wonder how this is gonna go i wonder what's gonna want to go on here like how do you live in the midst of that kind of um hold holding all of that stuff together even in the midst of it i mean how how much more it is for like i don't know professional sports people or whatever where it's it's not just doing something in a room with a few other people but like you're going to be watched by millions of people <laughs> you got this yeah, thing they, coming up like oh they use that what's that phrase they say you know that you often hear that sort of level like ch- channel your nerves or something and i think mm. I've heard that so much. I think, what the heck does that mean? Like when you, when you get nervous about something, it's funny. I was, um, I was just leading a session for a group of churches last night online. And I, yeah, your head, your head thinks about when you're preparing for anything like that, your head thinks about all the different possibilities. Well, no, it's not this. You're wondering whether you're thinking about all the possibilities you're trying Mm. to, trying to think what what's the frame of mind they coming in all those things you churn over in your head and you're thinking and it gets you nervous and maybe maybe the thing i don't know whether it is channeling of nerves because sometimes my nerves overwhelm me and you hear of people who just get paralyzed by nerves don't they you get yeah. people who get stage fright or people who get um i don't know i i've known ministers i know some ministers who are very experienced speakers and they still spend 
um, a crazy amount of time in the loo before they get up to speak. Yeah. They just get their nerves get the better of them. And I think, how do you, what does it mean to kind of channel your nerves in a way that is helpful when you're trying to prepare for something? I don't know. Mm, mm. What's, the, what's that phrase I bandied around recently? Like that pressure is a privilege kind of thing. What the heck does that mean? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a privilege. <laughs> Sounds rubbish. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I remember a guy I used to work with who I was building, he used to say, he always used to give the analogy of like a steam train, which is slightly irrelevant because I've not been on one of those. But anyway, he said about You've steam not been train, on a steam said, train? Have I ever oh, been on a steam train? Come on. Maybe I have. You're Maybe that, I have. You're not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but he said the thing with a steam train is it, it, it requires a certain amount of pressure to get it going too much pressure and it will blow up. Mm. So it's that, it's that thing of keeping a good amount. I, I, I don't know, I guess for each of us, we can handle different amounts of pressure. Um, It is surprising how, I don't know if you found this over the years, but I find as my work life, for example, or even in other aspects, family life, relationships, as pressures come along, sometimes you think, gosh, I could, I could never handle that. I could never have handled that, whatever that might be. Um, it's surprising how much you can handle, as it were. Um, and I don't know, do you think it's, I wonder if it's what you're applying in the middle of it, sometimes in the middle of a pressured time, whether what's helping you in the midst of that i oh, i don't know that mm. i know yeah i know there's i do think there's certainly been times when it's just it's too much and it all gets the, gets the better of me but yeah i don't, don't yeah, know I, th- I think it's i don't know for me like it's it's the beforehand it's the waiting it's the i don't know the expectation or whatever the anticipation that's that's what that's what can like really i don't know fill, fill my fill my perspective kind of thing sometimes it completely undo me you know like i i don't know i grew up um playing playing a bit of music and that and um played played the trumpet a bit and but like i could never i well i don't know what happened i don't know what happened so like um i i used to be fairly happy like playing playing in front of people like by myself like playing solo or whatever um i used to be perfectly not perfectly fine like get get pretty nervous but then for whatever reason so I, I don't even know if anything happened or like it was just like a uh, continuation or i don't know what it was but suddenly i i i started to get so nervous that i i couldn't play like um like to the point where like it's a it's like a brass instrument it's a wind instrument you got to blow it and like the 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 kind of the physical um breakout of my nerves would be my mouth would go so dry that I, w- I wouldn't be able to play. Like, I just wouldn't be able to play in the way that, well, anyway, well, yeah, just absolutely wouldn't be able to play. And it, it, it just, it, it just trashed me, you know, like, I'd, and then like once, once I was in that headspace, I found it absolutely impossible to go anywhere near like play, playing in front of people. Like, the weird thing is I could play in a group. I, I, sh- I, I, and I had kind of confidence playing in a group, even if I was, like a prominent part in that group kind of thing and that was fine and then i had an experience where i was playing in a group and had like a prominent part in that and th- and it's and it happened again it happened even in that setting and then i was just like oh i'm done in i can't 
I don't know what to do. Like I, I don't. I simply do not know how to handle this thing in a way that that completely doesn't just just derail me. Um, so so like all good things in life, I just stop doing it. So uh, that's. <laughs> that's that's the answer it's funny that you because like you think in what we do in terms of if you if you're speaking like preaching and stuff i've had it and again i wonder what it is in us like i can you know obviously week to week we do stuff you know and but if you're suddenly put in a different a different environment so maybe i don't know you've got to go and preach to a certain group of people so for me i think that that overwhelming kind of nervousness would come if I went back to the college where I trained and they asked me to speak in front of the students and faculty there, or if I went, even the first time I ever went back and spoke in my home church. Um, I don't know what it is, whether, whether it's suddenly what comes up in us is our own inner expectations of what's going on and what we perceive others are thinking. Like I know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm certainly somebody who worries far too much about what other people think. And I've had the, the experience I've had is, um, sp- I don't know whether it's speaking in front of larger crowds and whether I perceive there are certain people listening and you get that awful experience of your mouth drying up. It's the worst thing in the world. We're literally at its worst. You, your tongue is getting stuck to the top of your mouth. It's so dry because you're, for some reason, that's the effect that nervousness can have on you. It sucks mm. all the moisture yeah. out of you. It's, it's horrendous. And I heard of um, so somebody, a speaker, I think we both know, John Altberg. John Altberg tells the story of twice he was invited. I can't remember which church it was. Now, John Altberg, for, if people don't know who he is, he's a, he's a renowned Christian speaker and writer. But twice he gave the illustration where he went to speak at this particular church. And because of how he perceived it, big crowd, but he's guy that's used to doing that. He fainted both times. Oh. He got so overwhelmed by the situation. And you think, let me, if he, <laughs> if he can't handle it, <laughs> wow. there's no hope. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's the thing of like, sometimes that is our way of handling it, isn't it? It's just kind of like shut down. Like just like you get yourself into a point where you need a, I don't know. Some, something needs to happen. Um, something needs to happen because you just you just kind of carry all this stuff in your in your head. It all gets it all jitters around for a bit. I can I can totally appreciate. I don't know. There's some points I kind of you, you, I don't know. In life, you wish you would faint, you know, just to make it all go away for a second um, or, or whatever. Um, but I think there's there's so much stuff going on at the moment, and like they talk about this in the light of COVID, this kind of like um, like tsunami of of mental health, like this kind of like this this tide of um anxiety and uh all of that kind of stuff and it's just like what hard i think as a society like we're becoming more anxious we're becoming more kind of filled with news stories and and this that and the other you know like i know for myself like if i watch i'd be interested in the news because i like being informed i like finding out stuff um but like if i if i engage with the news too much i become I become more negative. I become more anxious, or or whatever. And it's kind of like, uh, like what what are we doing as a society? You know, like there's there's so much out there at the moment about about all of that. Um, kind of driving insecurity, driving paranoia, driving anxiety, driving anxiety, and. Oh, I just, I don't know. Not, not that I'm kind of going. Oh, where, where's this going? Where's this heading or whatever? But it's kind of like, what, are, what do we, what do we do about it? You know, what, where do we, where do we go from here? 
It's a good point. It's a good question because the, the story that's cropping up in my head, and it, it's not a bad thing to think, okay, what's the reality of this? So I remember some years ago speaking on um, the life of, of Daniel in the Old Testament. And he he both goes into a culture where there's huge pressure for him to conform to what's going on around. That's one of his pressures. And the other one is, you know, that he, because of the stance he takes, he gets, you know, there's the, we end up with the famous story. Here's one for us to look at in the summer. He, he, he ends up, you know, with that, the lion's den situation um, and somehow comes through that. And I think, gosh, it would be interesting to dive back into that story and think what, what was really going on there? What was it that, what was happening to Daniel? How did he hold strong? You know, you know, we've we've explored that a little bit in this podcast before. Is how do you? Because you could, because sometimes I think we as Christians can kind of go, oh, almost like a bit flippant, like oh, just have faith in God under in the midst of pressure. And I think sometimes that doesn't. And I think is that what does that? What does it? What's the practicality of that? Because I think you're right. You look at the situation at the moment and and for a lot as you say, for a lot of people it causes a lot of anxiousness. The danger is you can sort of go, well, but like we said the other week on here, you know, where, where's your faith sort of thing? How do you apply that? Mm. But how do you apply it in the midst of it? What is it that, that helps you to be resilient to 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 handle pressure when it when it when it kind of comes your way, you know, in whatever form that takes. Mm. Mm. And I think um, is it then that we we do need to really call out? I mean, I think for Daniel, it was that thing of there's a sense in which you know there was the re, we see the reality in that story of somebody else being with him. You know, how often have we said to each other over the last eighteen months in our in in our times together? You know, God God is with us in this, and you can say it, but but we don't always believe it when i say believe i mean that kind of belief that says i'm really practicing the fact that i know god's with me in this does that make sense or yeah yeah definitely it's kind of it's it's one thing to be told something in your head but it's another thing to kind of experience it you know i mean you can be told to you blue in the face that everything's fine or whatever but if if you don't feel that everything's fine and the voices in your head um where you kind of thought spirals and whatever are going a particular way then it's it's almost impossible to hear that it's always impossible to engage with that um and i suppose it's i don't know like for for all of us kind of wrestling with all of the the ups and downs and challenges of life and the day-to-day and what the future is going to hold and job security and um where you're gonna when it where you're going to be living and house buying or renting or, or all of that kind of stuff there's there's so much unknown at the moment there's so many things that are just kind of like endless kind of streams of questions you know you pick one and then there's another one there's another one there's another one which which is most of life i think <laughs> it's just like one ending unraveled stream of, of one question leading to another um but it's kind of like what what, what do you ha- well how how maybe do you be a presence in this world that that adds to the peace and adds to that kind of shalom that kind of wholeness that groundedness that 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 gives people confidence not necessarily confidence in you not that you're saying like follow me lads this is the way out but like that is like almost 
helps us be those who are there with other people that i think i think so much of well i think probably one of the strong aspects of church life about communal life about being doing life together in some sort of group is that god is this god who says i am emmanuel you know that i'm i'm god is god who comes to be with us and sometimes it really really doesn't feel like that it really doesn't feel like there's a connection to somebody greater than ourselves this is a divine presence and yet in the presence of somebody else we we know that they are with us and in some ways probably the the strongest way that we can display the the presence and the power of god is simply by being with other people to to kind of be like you, you don't need to be afraid because because I'm with you. Like I'm I'm with you in this. I'm I'm beside you. I, I I am trying in some way not to be like a like I I represent this presence that that God God says He is. That in some ways that we are we are that to one another when it when we can't engage with with God. Yeah, and I think you you, you know you hit that phrase I it, I've heard is that um you know the trying to be a, a non-anxious presence mm. in the midst of situations. And I think, again, it's another of those sort of helpful, what is it, a helpful phrase, helpful truth, or helpful kind of challenge to think, okay, how do I be, how do I be a non-anxious presence in the midst of this? Because the, <clears throat> the, if the reality is, you know, the circumstances around us are hugely challenging, how do I be a non-anxious presence in the midst of that and is it about that is like you say is it is it that is it that real um and quiet trust that who is it who is it is it eugene peterson that talks about how in our face sometimes it's a different kind of picture actually because sometimes to sound to say oh let me be a non-anxious presence sounds like i've got it all together I, I I feel no, you know, I'm not affected by what's going on around me and all the rest of it. But he he talked about almost like being lashed to the mast, as it were. So it's like the this boat. I, I presume, therefore, the boat is 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 a sort of metaphor for for God in our lives. But we we're almost like we're we're tied to it. I don't know if that's helpful image or not. But it's like it's like we've. You know, of all the things you could lash yourself to, as it were, in the midst of storm stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad, it's not a bad choice to make. It's, um, uh-huh. you know, it's it's going to, it's going to get you through. I was reading, I was reading a story last night. I don't know if this is relevant or not, and I probably, I'll probably do it a terrible injustice. <laughs> um, Char- Charles Colson, who was one of the one of the pres- Nick, President Nixon's men, he was caught up in the Watergate scandal and he became a Christian um, in prison. In, in prison, after and he said, he said in his testimony that all his life he had tried to make his way up the the ladder to be in the be in the the office next to the Oval Office. He thought that this is where the power in la- in life lay. And then he said, when he became a Christian in a prison cell. He said he realized where true power in life lay, which was, he said it was in the, in the power of God to change a person's heart. And then he wrote this book with, with another lady. I'm trying to think of her name, Nancy, somebody. And it was all about kind of how now shall we live? It's an older book, but it's incredibly relevant to now. I think how now shall we live? And towards the end of it, under the, that heading, how now shall we live? 
I probably got that wrong, but I think it's like that sort of a title. <laughs> he tells the story. Have you ever seen that image from the the Vietnam War when of that girl running naked in front of the she's running out of a burning town. The town's just been bombed mm. by what's that stuff called that nap, napalm or whatever, yeah. and it's burned everybody. Yeah, and she's running out, and the, and the, a journalist captures the picture at the time, but. He he tells the whole story. I've seen the picture, but I didn't know the story that's behind it. The lady's name was uh, Kim Fook or something like that, and she, um, you know she she again. What's interesting about her story is that she, yeah she she was she was she was basically because of the how serious her burns were. When the journalist followed up and tried, went to visit her in the hospital. And asked the doctor about her. She was unconscious at this stage because the burns were so bad. And the, the journalist asked about her, and the doctor says, "Oh yes, she'll die either today or tomorrow." And the and the journalist who took the picture, the famous picture, he said, "Well, aren't you going to do anything about it?" And he, and he he insisted that they moved her. They moved her to a hospital, and over the next umpteen months, she recovered. Anyway, her story was that she she eventually became. This is the story of how she became a Christian, and Charles Colson tells that story. She became, she becomes a Christian, and and all the way around, she she ends strangely. She ends up um, in America, and she meets she meets the guy who dropped the bomb in the in the village where she lived, and she embraces him, and she she forgives him, and Charles Colson's making the point that the Christian worldview, that Christianity can make significant difference in our world. He said so many other people tried other methods to to deal with the relational um, impact of that event of Vietnam. He said, and nothing worked. He said, but Christianity um, has this power within it to affect situations of what people are going through. And I thought, what what, what an incredible, for a guy who was right-hand man to the president, what he's basically saying is, yeah, when you're trying to deal with life and all that it throws at you, stuff that can sound to us like a little bit, you know, because of the way it gets presented sometimes, it's like, well, trust in God or, you know, forgiveness is a powerful thing, da, da, da. People can be like, oh, it's a, yeah, it's this nice thing. But what he's saying is this this has the power to shape the world around us. This genuinely has power. Working in the working in the Oval Office, he says you thought you were making powerful decisions, but but God has the power to change a person's heart. And that's the one of the most powerful things that somebody can do for somebody else. I don't know if that's taking us off track a bit, but I'm just trying I suppose I'm trying to say sometimes I think we we doubt the we 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 doubt the um the awesomeness of God. We doubt how much he really is able and capable and, and with us. It's mm-hmm. not this kind of just this sweet, nice presence with us, but it's a, uh, it's, well, it's rock like. Well, I suppose it, it changes uh, what makes, um, I suppose we, we need to be changing our perspective that, um, that kind of so much of nervousness and paranoia and anxiety and stuff is, 
maybe not driven by but there's this other narrative in it all that says like if if i had control i could make this all better like Mm -hmm. if if i had control over this situation then i could line everything up so it'd be okay you know like i i feel nervous about stuff because you you don't quite know how it's going to turn out but if you Mm -hmm. could decide how it's going to turn out that'd be fine and in some ways Mm -hmm. that you end up praying to god or you end up reaching out to something in the hope that it will make it go the way you want it to and Mm. so therefore almost the way that you you the way that you pray or the way that you try and um deal with that situation is to try and grasp control over it you know like whether Mm. it's even just if, if if you don't if you don't believe in god and you don't kind of pray or whatever that you you try and reach for control over things so you might be you might be nervous about position in in your work or your job life or whatever and that nervousness works its way out in terms of micromanagement because you don't you don't feel like you trust your your team or the people around you or whatever so mm-hmm. you're kind of reaching for control over all those little bits in case it, it is going to help um and like you're saying that actually like perhaps liberation from that kind of that anxiety and that paranoia is not found where we think it is it's not it's not that we we simply need to have more control it's not it's not the the power that brings life is is having absolute control over things and making them happen exactly a particular way but almost trusting in like you say that that all-powerful hand of god to kind of lift you up like that kind of empowerment that kind of um that that strong force that is alongside you to give stability and grounding rather than saying like oh yeah of course we'll, we'll just make everything happen exactly how you want uh, and that will deal with the anxiety but it's the fact that there's there's some other force at work which is stronger and more powerful and almost forgiveness is oh is there is there uh, this sounds like there's a wise quote hidden in this that by somebody else but kind of like is it something like forgiveness is is get giving up your your is giving up the right to a different past or something else like that that is kind of that you kind of you're letting go of of really wanting to cling on to a different way of things having happened and just kind of holding your hands up and going that that is the way it's happened and i i kind of i i have to make my peace with that in some way Mm. is is that quite i feel like that's a quote by somebody but I mean, heck no. So I'm, I'm terrible at quoting people. I've got a friend, Mark, who can kind of, if he's interested in something, he can remember it like word for word by the person who said it, where they said it, everything else. I'm just, I've just got like this vague cloud of nonsense that, uh, I'm either going to declare is in the Bible somewhere or that it was Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King. <laughs> shoot, that, that's, shoot that's... Mandela or Gandhi or something. And oh, you yeah. Gandhi. Hit it every time. Yeah, or yeah, Mother exactly. Teresa. Mother Let's Teresa. Go Mother yeah, Teresa. Yeah. Would you have said that maybe? I don't know. Yeah. But I think, I think the other thing that comes to my mind is <clears throat> I, I think, I think it's that thing of realizing that it's, it's you with God in this situation. I think sometimes people have this idea that almost like I can, oh, well, yeah, I'll trust God and just can, I, I therefore sit back and just wait or sit back or take my foot off the pedal or whatever analogy. But I think the reality when you're in nervous situations, you're in it, you're in, you're in the thick of it. And it's, it, I think when you're, when you're truly trying to live out your life in a, in a way that honors God, you know, or, or is, uh, that sounds a bit funny, but I mean, if you're truly, truly trying to live your life for God, whatever situation you find yourself in, you're, I find like, I find that even when I'm not under pressure situations. So I think when I'm, 
interacting with you know my, my family and um, when I think of my relationship with Lisa when I think whatever it is I'm thinking you know because I feel like oh I'm about to my mind's going towards just making a lazy choice here and I'm thinking God help me just to kind of you know do, be there in the right way as a husband right now and like it's a constant thing and I think if it, if it's a constant for you, like it's, you, you're constantly living your life with God. So you're constantly thinking, how am I giving the best of myself right now? Then when you get into pressured situations, again, it's, it's not about you just going, here you are, God handing it over. There is a sense of handing it over, but realizing that you're both, I'm in the midst of that going, God, would you, I need the words to say here. Would you give me the words to say? And and I don't think they come. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you're like, something comes to you and you're like, gosh, I didn't think of that. Boom, that's there. Or show me the way, open the door, you know, which way do I need, literally, which way do I need to go? Um, whatever, you know, and sometimes I think, in the, you know, God gives us what we need in, in the moment of a situation sometimes, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're right, when you're in the midst of the pressure, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, what? I don't know. What? How? How do you try and handle that? Because I mean, like, you you do a bunch of stuff that kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone um, in terms of whether it's like presenting or speaking or um, or what have you. Like, I, I don't know. What? What? How? How do you handle that? How do you? How do you try and deal with that? Do you, I suppose. Uh, um... I mean, to be to be perfectly honest, there have been moments over this last year. So my job has has required me over this last year and a couple of situations to be what I would consider for myself out of my comfort zone, doing things that I'm just uh, don't feel like I'm particularly good at. And I think sometimes there are situations we find ourselves in where we've discovered our limits mm. and we and we've reached our limits and we've got at work wise, and I've had to go. I don't think I can go beyond this. I think, I think this is where my limit is. And the graciousness of God is that, you know, work colleagues have come in and, and that's changed. I think there are plenty of situations I've gone into where I feel a bit uncomfortable. And I think, I think part of it is for me, part of it has been trusting, um, trusting in the fact that you are attempting to do, the best job you can do in this situation because i've been in plenty of situations where you you've you've given an awful lot to it you've prepared a lot for it you've traveled to go and be with people whatever and you still get these people who criticize or just are awkward in a room or whatever and you suddenly it makes you start sweating as you feel under pressure you think this is not going well and i i don't know whether i'm learning i think i'm learning i wouldn't say i've learned it i'm learning that well look i've i've come here with particular thing to do and i've done my best to do it i I can't i can't um manipulate how people react or think or whatever i've just got to trust that what i've just done was the best i could do and and honor it you know give it to god and how people react to it they react to it um you know i've gone into church situations over the years where i've spoken and thought Hey, that was that I gave the best of me today. That was pretty good enough. I've had people walk out and on the door say to me, I didn't like a word you said. I thought it was utter rubbish. Outstanding. And then walk off. And you're like, wow. And and that's crushed me over the years. Over the years, like when I was younger, that stuff crushes you. And you can, it either crushes you to the point where you go, I'm never doing that again. So a bit like you said earlier, you can go, the answer can be, 
uh, I'm just never going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I said that to every time I fa- found myself in a pressure situation and it, and, and I, and I faced, you know, I faced that kind of reaction, I think, I think one of the ways I've handled it is it's great to have trusted people around you who say, who affirm what you do. And you think, no, I'll go out and I'll go out and have another go. I'll go and have another go at that. And you need people alongside you. And I, it's funny, Lisa and I were only saying this yesterday. Sometimes I think it's hard to find this in life. You need others around you who've got your back, who will coach you through it, who will kind of see, see the potential in you and kind of say, no, you, you need to just go again. You need to go again. You're going to be okay. And, and that for me makes a huge difference to have people around you believe in you in the mm-hmm. situation. Um, and I think, yeah, I think one of the other, I mean, I don't know if this relates to this in some ways. We, we can be great and I can be great at this in terms of, again, whatever situ- situation you go into, you can, the, the one voice that criticizes us sometimes can crush us when 10 voices have said, Hey, you did a great job there today, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Um, and I think it's, I think it's trying to learn to, to listen to the voices of the ones you genuinely try. Not, not that you shouldn't listen to criticism. Mm. But but some but yeah I don't know if I've gone off on a slightly different tangent there but um no it's it's all wrapped up together isn't it they're all they're all interconnected and um and I think that's the that that's the thing with nerves and anxiety and and all of that like it it pulls it just loves adding fuel to the fire you know it lo- loves dragging stuff in from here there and everywhere you know mm. and um yeah having those voices that are alongside you in it in it all uh, are so beneficial however like I. I'm, I'm not so. I don't want to bin my approach of just like never doing it again, though. I mean, like that's not that's not bad approach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't. I'm never doing the washing up again. I got so criticised yeah. last time. <laughs> Stacking the dishwasher, all of those things. Thanks for listening today. Steve mentioned a book by Phyllis Tickle that's actually called The Divine Hours. It's well worth checking out if you're interested in finding out a little bit more. And if you want to get in touch or you have some ideas about how you prepare, how you deal with nerves, what you do with pressure and all of that stuff, then we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch by just emailing jim at ballonbaptist.co.uk. We have these chats once a week as we journey through life together. So if you want to be a part of that journey, then why not subscribe? And if you want to find out more about Ballon Baptist Church, then have a look on our YouTube channel or through Instagram at Ballon Baptist. We'll see you next time.